Don't get too excited about the background up here. We're not watching Star Wars or Guardians of the Galaxy this morning. But I am going to put some words up here that may get you just as excited, or you may feel something else whenever you see some of these words which are up there today. I want you to be honest with yourself, just in your own mind right now, of what you do feel whenever you start looking at words like angels, demons, cherubim, seraphim, Satan, the devil. When you see powers, authorities, unclean spirits, and you see some of these other things that are up there today. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be some overlap between these. Sometimes the Bible uses multiple terms for some of the same things, but these are just some of the words that are going to be used in the Bible in many places that we're going to encounter. Now, whenever you see those, maybe you do get excited. Maybe you, you like things that seem epic. And so you, you, you like to think about you know, the spiritual realm and that, that excites you. Maybe it scares you. Maybe you'd rather not think about it. Maybe there's too much danger in thinking about that in your mind. My guess is that on some level, a lot of us are uncomfortable by even looking at words like the ones that I have up there, either because we're scared to go there, to even think through that, or just because we are skeptical about these things. We are trained in our world, and I've said this before, we are trained to be skeptical, uh, skeptical about things that we don't see. In fact, many will conclude that they cannot believe anything, they cannot know anything unless it is something that they can verify with their eyes. And yet, the Bible is calling upon us, you cannot ignore it when you get into the Scriptures, that these things do come up. Now, I think our skepticism, in a lot of ways, we do one of two things. If we want to believe in the Bible, we want to believe in God, but we don't want to accept the reality of any of the stuff that's up there today, we do a couple of things. We may look at this and we may say, well, this is something that was in place in Bible times, but not so much today. And so we downplay that. We live in a world that is very skeptical of anything that sounds supernatural, especially over the last few centuries. And a lot of that is part of our mindsets, whether we like it or not. And so we come at this with a lot of that skepticism, and we say, well, that was then, but we're talking about now. Well, I want you to at least open your minds to the possibility of some of these things and not be close to that as we're going to be talking about them. The other way that you may approach this as a skeptic is to look back and not just say, well, that was then and this is now. It's to say, well, yeah, these things are mentioned, but that was... That was the only terminology that they had in their understanding of the world, of their time, to be able to express these things. And so they talk about demons or they talk about angels, but we know better now because we've progressed in our understanding of science. And so things that may have looked like someone's behavior acting a certain way that they may have labeled that as demon possession in that time, well... The Bible just says that to go along with what people believed in that time, but we know better now that that person just had mental illness. Now, these are approaches that people take whenever you start bringing any of these things up because we're uncomfortable. I think it all comes back to the idea of being uncomfortable. I'm going to be the first to tell you, the Bible 
It's going to say a lot about these things. But it's not going to say everything about these things that you may want to know. It's not going to answer all of your questions about these things, about the spiritual realm. But we are going to approach this with the premise that, number one, this is central to the mission of Jesus, as I hope us to be able to see in the coming weeks. And number two, this is relevant to you. You are part of this whether you acknowledge it or not. You have had encounters with the spiritual realm that you do not even realize, that you haven't seen, that you haven't felt. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that many have entertained angels unawares, meaning they did not know at the time that they were having an encounter with something supernatural, and yet it happened. So not everything that we see, not everything that we feel, not everything that we verify is all that is going on. There is more than what meets the eye. Where we're headed with all of this is a passage in Ephesians chapter 6. We're not getting there today. We're not getting there for several weeks. But it is a passage that is going to tell you to put on the armor of God. And the purpose of that armor of God is because you are engaged in spiritual warfare. You're a part of something bigger than just what you see. And so the Bible is going to tell us that these things are relevant to us. They're uncomfortable for us to talk about. There's a lot that we don't understand, but there is some that we can't understand. There's a lot that we can't understand from the Scriptures. So what we're going to be doing over some of the coming weeks... Now, when I preach a series, I don't hit it just every week, so don't feel like we're going to be doing this every time that you come here. But on many of our Sunday mornings, on many of our Sunday nights, we're going to be doing this on some of the Sunday nights too, so please come so you don't miss this because these lessons are going to build on each other. But this theme of war against the darkness, of understanding the spiritual realm and understanding spiritual warfare, I appreciate Dave bringing this up in our Wednesday night class on Daniel. The timing of that worked out perfect. I was already planning to, for us to get into this, and he brought us into that in some of our discussions of the book of Daniel because these ideas come up there. But we're going to try to go through this and try to do a pretty thorough job of showing this as a theme throughout the Bible. Now, one danger of doing that is this. What you walk away with today is just an introduction to this. Now, I like to, whenever I preach a sermon, I like to be able to bring it all back to Jesus and then make some application to us, give you a challenge for the week that's ahead. These sermons are not going to be quite that way. They're going to build on each other. You're going to have to keep coming back and being a part of this to see where we're going. It would take about 10 hours for me to stand up here and then give you the entire series. There's probably going to be 12 or 13 lessons as part of this. So get ready for it. Today we're just introducing this idea to get familiar with spiritual beings. What we mean by that, the general term. And I start with the term angel. 
Now let's talk about this a little bit because there's going to be a lot of other terms that are used that the Bible is going to use as an overlap with this idea of angel. An angel basically is a messenger, is what the word means. It's one who is sent. As Hebrews chapter 2 is going to say that angels are ministering spirits. Okay, They are sent by God with a particular purpose. Angel is not going to be the only word that the Bible uses, but you may use it as a general term. Sometimes it specifically means a spiritual being who is sent for a particular purpose, deliver a message. An angel appears to Mary or to Joseph and has a particular message sent from God for that time and place and that audience, for that particular person. So that sometimes that is what we mean by an angel. But that's not the only meaning here. Sometimes the Bible, the way the New Testament uses the word, is much broader. There are are meanings that are bigger than just someone who is sent as a messenger. There are oversight tasks that are given to the angelic host. And that's why I even hesitate to use the word angel, because I think we automatically think of someone who shows up with a message, and we think that it's someone that has a little bit of a glow about them, and maybe they have wings, and and they say something, and and then they, they disappear. That's Sometimes that angels may appear that that way, not so much with the wings. Some in the angelic class are going to have wings, but not usually the ones who show up as messengers. But let's just use the general term spiritual beings, or even to challenge your view a little bit more, divine beings. Sometimes the same word that is going to be used for God is used of these spiritual beings. Now, that's not in, it's a general word for a class of beings. It's the word Elohim. And we're going to see that in some of our texts today. But we have this angelic host. When you think of a host, the way it's used in this context, it means a lot of something. It's another word for an army. And that's often how angels are used in the scriptures as part of this army that belongs to God Most High. Now, Here is one of the texts, Psalm 148. We learned a little bit about these angels. Where did they come from? We learned a little bit about that from Psalm 148. I'm going to read some of this. And through this series, I'm going to be using, whenever the Bible text uses that proper name for their God, Israelites' God, to distinguish him from the the other understandings of God, they use the name Yahweh. So I'm going to be plugging that in when we read these texts. Here's what Psalm 148 tells us. It says, praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him from in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. That's parallelism there. When you see those ideas, you could use them interchangeably, at least in this psalm. But there are going to be some other things here. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them, all of them, praise the name of Yahweh. And then notice that last line there. For He commanded, and they were created. Here's principle number one. Even though we may refer to these angelic beings as spiritual beings, divine beings, whatever terms that we may use throughout this, they are, have been created by God. They've been created by Yahweh. They are not from everlasting to everlasting, as God is said to be in the Scriptures. They are creations. They're part of the created order. Now, there is the material creation that we read of in Genesis. They're not specified 
at least in the order that that's given, I'm about to show you in a minute, that they are mentioned there after the fact, that they have been part of the creation. Here's some other ideas. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. You are Yahweh, you alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Now, a couple of things that are there. Again, Yahweh, the Lord Most High, He is the Creator. He has made both the material creation and these spiritual beings who are not necessarily material, even though they show up in material form sometimes, uh, He has made them as well. All the host, all the host of heaven worships you. So they have been created. They have, we already are seeing a little bit here an association of their responsibilities as a couple of passages now have mentioned them in the context of, of the, some of the material elements of the stars and everything else. That does not mean that angels are stars, but it means that they have delegated authority, which we will get to in a moment, uh, of watching over certain things in God's creation. There are tasks that are given to them. Now, this is what I said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. After that whole chapter of Genesis 1, this is a summation that the beginning of Genesis 2 of what it means that God has created the heavens and the earth. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and then we have this tacked on, and all their hosts. Uh, these, these seems that, that all of this is referring to uh, the angelic host is usually how that word is used. In fact, you're going to see it used, oh, this expression used over 250 times in the scriptures. Yahweh Sabaoth, and that is literally Lord of hosts or could be translated as Lord of Armies. That's used a lot to refer to God, usually in context where it's wanting to show His power, that all these other things that you acknowledge of having power, well, who's in charge of all of them? Who's the Lord of all of them? Who is the most powerful being? And that is Yahweh. He is the Lord of hosts. And that is used repeatedly throughout the Scriptures. Job 38 verses 4 and 7 are going to tell us something about uh, these angelic beings in their creation. Even though that they were created, they were also witnesses to God's creation of other things. They were there to rejoice in that moment of God creating other things. This is what God says to Job near the end of this book. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. There's a lot of sarcasm here. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now we just said in Genesis that the hosts of the heavens, the hosts, are grouped in with the things that were created that we read of in the book of Genesis. However, it does seem that these sons of God, sons of Elohim, were created somewhere along the way, but before the rest of the creation came into being because they were there to rejoice with it. 
They were there to witness it. They were there to affirm that this creation is good, the goodness of the other things that God is making. And part of their task that God was going to give them was to be involved with this creation. He was going to give them jobs to do with this creation. We may ask, why would God make any of this? Why would He make these spiritual beings? Why would He make these human beings? Why would He make this planet? Why any of it? I don't have a complete answer for that, but the best answer that I have grown to to come to in my study of the Scriptures and my understanding of God is that the Scriptures tell us God is love, and that means He is a relational God, and He wants family. He wants to expand that family. He, he, He doesn't need humans. He doesn't need angels. But He creates them because He wants to use them because he wants to put them to work, because he wants family. And he, so there's those two classes of beings. You've got the spiritual beings, and then you've got the material beings that he has made us to be. So Job 38 says that. Now you may say, well, how do we know that's talking about angels? Isn't sons of God used in other ways in the scriptures? Well, in some places, yes. The book of Luke is going to call Adam a son of God. And that's kind of interesting because the only other human that I know of that the Bible definitely calls a son of God is Jesus himself. But earlier in the book of Job, we know that these sons of God had to be these angelic beings. They cannot be human beings earlier in the book of Job. And let me show that to you. That enters into the next part of what we want to talk about here is if God has made these spiritual beings, how is He using them? How is He putting them to work? What is their job? And part of how He is using them is as part of what we might call a divine council. Now, when you think of council, it means that you're getting more than one party together. You're getting multiple beings together to discuss, to delegate, to give jobs, and that they will be carried out. Now, again, God doesn't need this to be able to function. He is omnipotent, but He chooses to use this. He chooses to use these beings, and He meets with them. The beginning of the book of Job is going to tell us this in a couple of places. There was a day when the sons of Elohim, the sons of God, and by the way, that word sons in this context, to come back to that, it's more of saying this is a certain class of beings. It's those who have been made by God himself without any other uh, mediation. And that's why Adam is even called a son of God, because there, there's no natural processes there as, as mediators in that whole creation. It is God himself fashioning these, and because he's, he's made them in his likeness. Okay, when the sons of Elohim came to present themselves before Yahweh, this is a meeting of these divine spiritual beings. Later on, Job chapter 2, verse 1, it's going to tell us the same thing, that there is another one there, uh, another meeting where this is going to happen. So we can see part of the task there is that they are going to, to get together and, and, and they're going to talk about things, how things are going in the creation. Now, you're going to see this in Psalm 89, verses 5 through 7. That's, this is another passage from the Psalms that points to God meeting with this divine counsel. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Yahweh. Your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. 
Holy One and Son of God are going to be two of these terms that you're going to see to continue to come up to describe these angelic beings. Holy Ones, assembly of the Holy Ones. For who in the skies can be compared to Yahweh? Who among the sons of the mighty? Again, the sons meaning in the sense that you might say sons of liberty. Okay, they, they, they're part of a class. Okay, sons of God, sons of the mighty. But who among them is like Yahweh? Now, they're, they're sons. They're part of a class. That means they've got some similarities with him. They're spiritual beings. They've got certain powers. But this psalm is telling us that they're not Yahweh. They don't have all of his attributes. They don't have all of his powers. Yahweh is unique. He is a God greatly to be feared in the council of the Holy Ones and awesome above all who are around him. Angels, spiritual beings, let's just speak in general, good or bad, they do have powers. They are, in most respects, more powerful than we are as human beings, at least in our, hum our current state. And yet, they do not have the same powers of Yahweh, of God Most High. They are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They are not omnipotent. They don't have all powers. They are not omnipresent. They don't fill all the space of the universe with their presence. Okay, so they are not eternal. There was a point in time when they came into being. Those are some distinctions there. They are not supreme. They are not sovereign. Yahweh is the only sovereign spiritual being. That's important for us to understand when we look at all of this. Now here's one of those interesting divine counsel passages. It's a strange one. I preached on this recently about the concept of, of deceit. If you want to look on the website and hear that one at some point, we touched on this passage. But 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 19 through 22. There's going to be a prophet by the name of Micaiah. And this is something that he is going to say. He's going to share a vision that he had of a divine council scene. A scene where he got to see God interacting with these spiritual beings. Here's what he says. Therefore hear the word of Yahweh. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. There's your clue that this is divine counsel. The host, this is the angelic host, who is around him, Yahweh is on his throne. Now here's what Yahweh says. He says, who will entice Ahab? He's addressing these different spiritual beings. That he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. Ahab is a king. He's the king of Israel at this time. He's an arrogant, ungodly man. And God is going to use this as a moment to expose him for what he is. And let him choose his own demise ultimately. He's going to let him give in to his own plans that he is devising. But he's asking, how are we going to encourage him to just go ahead with being his own judge in this situation? And it says, and one said one thing and another said another. These are different beings who are speaking here. But then it says, a spirit came forth. A 
Spirit came forth. A ministering spirit we're told about in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. It's what the, the angelic beings are. Ultimately, ministering spirit. And he has an idea of a task that he wants permission to be able to do. A spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh saying, I will entice him. Yahweh said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him, you shall succeed. Go out and do so. There's a task that is delegated. It is given to one of these spirits, these angelic beings, and he is said to go forward and proceed with this. Now something similar happens in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet who is there as part of one of these throne room scenes where a discussion like this is going on, where they're coming up with, with a task. Isaiah says, In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw Yahweh sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. These are a specific, particular kind of the class of spiritual beings. Here's how they're described. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, they're speaking, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Jump down a little bit later, he, he's going to say, For I have seen the king, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. This is Isaiah saying, I've been in the divine council. I am not prepared for this. I'm a human being. I don't belong here. Notice what's going to be said at the end of this. This is a scene where they are searching for someone for a task. Then I heard the voice of Yahweh saying, Whom shall I send to go for us? Then I said, Isaiah raises his hand, Here am I, send me. I know I'm not an angelic being, but I can be a human messenger. Here am I, send me. And God chooses to do that in that situation. Now, what these are giving us are clues to what is going on in these divine council scenes. It is God getting his army together, his, his council together, his, his advisories together. Again, God doesn't need this, but he chooses to use this. And he gets them together to give them tasks. He delegates authority, or we might call stewardship, jobs of watching. I'm convinced that even the book of Revelation talks about how churches even have this. To the angel of the church at Sardis write this, that there's a delegation there of watching out over a specific nation or over a church or over some group of people or some task. And this happens in the Scriptures. You see this in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verses 8 and 9. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when He divided mankind, He fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, if you're reading that in your text, you may not see sons of God there. The translations are going to put in other things, and I think they, they make a big mistake by doing that. But the word is Elohim. According to the sons of God, every time that I find this word used in the Old Testament, I'm convinced it is used of these angelic beings. According to the numbers of the sons of Elohim, the sons of God, the angelic beings, but Yahweh's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Basically what this is saying is that whenever there was a division that happened, 
You go back and you read of this in Genesis 10 and 11. Genesis 10 gives us what many scholars will call the table of nations. It's how all these nations spread out, how, how they were set up, where they had their beginnings. Genesis 11 gives us the event that precipitated that. It was the Tower of Babel, the reason why they were divided. But we see that division of mankind there. But as part of that division, he has given tasks to these angelic beings, these sons of God, to watch over these nations. Now, that brings us to our main scripture. And my screen may go out in the middle of this because the battery's running low, but you've got it open to your text because this is our main text. Go ahead and turn back there if you've turned away from it. Psalm 82. This is what it's going to tell us here. This is another divine counsel scene after understanding that these tasks have been delegated to the divine counsel. Here's what it's going to tell us. God. General term there. It's not the specific name of, of God Most High, but it, that's who it is talking about at the beginning of this. Elohim. Has taken his place in the divine council, in the midst of the gods. Elohim. Okay? Gods, in our language, may not be the best translation there. In the midst of the spiritual beings, in the midst of the angelic beings, he holds judgment. Here's what he says to these angelic beings. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Now again, they're in charge of different nations, right? That means they're at least supposed to be influencing, watching over the events of these different nations. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Some things that we've talked about in the past that are related to a biblical understanding of, of justice. To see to what is right for all people, especially those who are in a position of being vulnerable. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, now here's what he says to them. You are Elohim. Let's ignore that word God for a moment. You are spiritual beings. Sons of the Most High. This is who you are. You've been given a great task here. All of you. Okay, meaning that you've got great power. You've got special responsibility. But many of you have blown it. Because he's going to say, nevertheless, like men, you shall die. And fall like any prince. Right here we are seeing the principle, and the end of this says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. God says here, okay, uh, I've taken Israel as my special allotment. I've delegated all these others, and I've been overseeing Israel specifically. Well, the plan ultimately is to bless all peoples, to bless all nations. I'm going to make sure that happens, whether I'm getting the help I need from this divine counsel or not. That's what he concludes at the end of this. Here's the important principle in this. Angels, angelic beings, spiritual beings, the sons of God, the holy ones, all those terms, they do have free will. They do not automatically just do the will of the Creator, of God Most High. Sometimes they fail in those tasks. Sometimes they rebel. Sometimes they do not fulfill their tasks as God intended them to. They squander their stewardship. And you even see this in the book of Jude, verse 6, where it uses this term angel. 
And it says, angels who did not keep their domain, the word ultimately is rule, the things that they have been given charge of, again, they're delegated responsibilities. Some of them have not kept it. But they abandon their proper abode. God says he's going to judge them. He says that they are held accountable. So angels have accountability too. They are not just going to always serve God automatically. They have free will. And many have chosen to go against the will of God. That's going to lead us over the next few lessons to talk about how this ends up being a war between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Because we're going to talk about Satan. And we're going to talk about other angels who have not kept their own domain who have stepped out and have done things that God did not design them to do. And we're going to talk about how we end up with both good forces in the spiritual realm and forces for evil in the spiritual realm. For this week, how about that timing? <laughs> Made it to the end. For this week, I told you I'm not going to have a normal challenge for you to wrap all this up nicely. This was an introduction to show you where we're going. Basically, my challenge this week is this. Have your mind open to these things as we look at them in the Scriptures. Study these things more on your own. Ask me questions as we go along throughout all of this. We're going to be getting to some of those questions, but I know your mind is full of questions. There's a lot here to digest There's a lot for us still to go into. We have just begun it. But open your mind to it. And number two, I just challenge you to to be here, to join us for this, this journey. Come on Sunday mornings, come on Sunday nights, because some of this is going to be on on one and some of it's going to be on the other as we go forward, and all this is going to build on itself. We are getting to how Jesus helps make sense of all of this. And ultimately, we're getting to the role that we play in it. you got to hang with me. We need all this as the groundwork. But keep coming back, keep digging, keep searching along with us. Let's pray. Our Father, as we seek to understand you and the spiritual realm in a much deeper way, uh, we pray for guidance. We pray for wisdom as we look into these things. And we pray that as we, that our trust in you will be great during all of this, that we will see more of your power, more of your love, that you have expanded your family with both beings in the heavens and beings here on earth and beings that all of us together, that you want us to be part of your family and you've got jobs for all of us. And may we see our role in all of this more as we study it together. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of encouragement. If you are here as someone struggling with something in your life, maybe you feel like you're in the darkness. <clears throat> the light and the darkness are relevant to all of us, and we'll get into that more as we go along. But if you feel that you need to talk about something, that there are some dark places in your life in whatever way today, this is a chance for you to come and share that <clears throat> with your family here. Or if you don't feel a part of this family yet, maybe you're visiting with us, maybe you've been coming but uh, haven't really uh, 
talked about what it means to be a part of this, this family, and not just talking about our local family here, but the family of God, those who have been joined to Jesus Christ in baptism into Christ. It's when it happens, when it's a baptism by faith in the working of God, when it's accompanied by a genuine repentance and a confession of Jesus as Lord, and that moment when we join with Him and we rise to walk in newness of life. If that's your need today or anything else, we encourage you to come as together we stand and as we sing.